the Ivies aren't playing until January. So the Ivies are starting their season late. What's new? Uh, true. <laughs> right. <laughs> they do this to us every year. How is this different? <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode two of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. This week, it's just the regular crew again, which includes Dustin Lindstrom. Hello. And Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. This week, we're going to discuss the WCHA preseason polls and other projections, uh, the state of college hockey, uh, some CCHA news, and the WCHA playoffs. Uh, Let's see what else we kind of got. NCAA tournament selection, ASU and RIT had some news come out, coronavirus and how it's going to impact college hockey. And Michigan Tech dropped some new jerseys today. We're recording here on Tuesday night. Uh, anything else I'm missing, guys? Sounds about right. Uh, sounds good. All right. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and talk about WCHA preseason projections. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so preseason projections over the last two days, WCHA has put out a couple press releases, one with the uh, coaches poll and projections and the media. One, one thing I'll point out right away since I did get this question internally, uh, Tech Hockey Guy does not get a vote. What? <laughs> <laughs> the only media that really vote are newspapers and radio people. Um, well, somebody needs to tell them that it's tw- it's 2020. Yeah. Nobody reads newspapers anymore. <laughs> so basically every team that has a major newspaper following them, the newspaper gets the vote. And then there are three different radio or four radio guys that get a vote. That's in Huntsville, Anchorage. Fairbanks and the Sioux. Otherwise, it's all newspapers. Uh, the vote for Michigan Tech Media goes to Andy Nimi in um, for the Houghton Daily Mining Gazette. Uh, and then you would also recognize like Ryan Stieg, who's been on the show before. Austin Monteith, who's been on the show before, I think, right? We had him on once, didn't we? Yeah, he was. Yeah, we had him on. Um, and then it looks like Kevin Dudley's now at the Mankato Free Press with uh, Shane moving on. And John Raffle, who I think we had help participate in our poll back when we ran a weekly WCHA poll. He's out of uh, Big Rapids for Ferris State. And then it's and it's not even um, like true 
Evans doesn't get a vote either. That vote goes to Nick Piotrowitz. I don't know. At the Toledo Blade. Maybe someday I'll have to ask him how he pronounces his name. Well, I think both us and Drew should get a vote. Well, I think you're right, but I don't really care that much. I'm still happy to just be involved and get to follow the team and get to participate in things like the the media press briefing is tomorrow uh, after this will come out. So Wednesday afternoon. Um, But basically... Everything came out. The coaches and the press were in agreement one through three with it being Minnesota State, Bemidji State, and Bowling Green. Uh, The coaches themselves were a little split with uh, Minnesota State getting six first place votes, Bowling Green three, and Bemidji one. But Bemidji eked out the win over Bowling Green for the coaches poll by one point. And then Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan were fourth and fifth in both the polls, but uh, Northern had one more point in the media, and Tech had one more point in the coaches. And that was a big cliff, and then it's it's all the same for both of them with Lake State, Alaska, Ferris State, Anchorage, and Huntsville in that order. Uh, what do you guys think of that projection? I mean, is is anybody surprised that there were four coaches that didn't vote for Mankato. Well, one can't. You know what I mean? Yeah, one can't. That's the only one I'm surprised by. Right, Right, yeah, Yeah. I'm surprised. One can't, but they've been so dominant. I'm I'm just surprised that that there wasn't, you know, nine to one Mankato in first place. I mean, they've proven themselves. You're right, but I think a lot of it is how much they lost this year. Um, Because that's mattered the last few years. Right, it hasn't. Um I mean, they've got a, They've still got the best goalie in the league, and they just reload. They do. I, I, I do. I think that's one thing the the media did get right. That until proven the otherwise, Dennis, Minnesota yeah. State deserves to get all ten first place votes. So obviously, in the coaches' poll, that can't happen. But I am surprised that they didn't get nine. Um. Dryden McKay was preseason media player of the year while he was co uh, preseason player of the year with Brandon Cruz, a senior forward from Bowling Green. Um, our favorite little man, Griffin Lofgren, was up there. Uh, Trent Bliss got a vote. Colin Sawyer got a vote, apparently. Um, oh, I, so in the in the coaches poll, it was each coach got one vote. In the media poll, they voted top three, well, three, three to one points. So I guess that makes a little more sense that some of these guys made the list. But Trenton Bliss got one of the ten for the coaches, whereas Colin Sawyer got one point from the media. Um, so that's it for Tech. What does it say here? That... Yeah, so Brandon Cruz got two total points in the media, whereas he tied for the with four with McKay for for the coaches. But that's a that's a pretty big differential between coaches and media. It is, I, and I think you got to lean towards coaches on this one, don't you? I I think so. 
I mean, the coaches have seen have seen these players for years up close, watching tons of film. Yeah. Not that they're wrong on Dryden McKay, and it looks like what he got ten. So he got twenty five out of a possible thirty points. So I mean, yeah. And then Gr- I think Dryden McKay's the pick. Yeah, I agree. Uh, then we got WCHA preseason media rookie of the year. The uh, media pick Michigan Tech's Carson Bantle with sixteen points on the same three to one scale. And he finished second, tied with a couple other guys, it looks like, in the coaches. One point behind Akito Hiroshi. Heroes, I don't know. Yeah, we need we need uh, we need Dirk's pronunciation guide here so we can actually yeah, yeah, say half need, this stuff. We do need that. I need to up my game on the opponents. Um But yeah, and and Hiroshi finished second for uh, WC or for the media, and and our favorite penalty minute kid Tanner Edwards got uh, third place for the uh, <laughs> for the media. You guys might recognize that name from a couple of our podcasts. I think we talked about him a little bit a few times. Somehow, Jet. He's a kid that got kicked out as a uh, as about four USA out of every yeah. five games he's played in. Yeah. So, we'll see. Let's see. Jed Piedla also got a vote or two points. I I don't really get that one at all. That almost seems like there's somebody that was just like picking names off of a roster. (laughs) They just saw Piedla and went, well, he's one of them. He must be good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let's see. And then the preseason teams, Connor Ford and... Griffin Lofgren were forwards on both, with Owen Sillinger making it on the media, while Brandon Cruz made it for the the coaches. Apparently, there's a big disagreement between the coaches and the and the uh, media on that one. Uh, Brandon Cruz, I guess, finished fourth for the media defenseman. I got Elias Rosen and. Jake Willits for one, and Eliza, Elias Rosen and Chris Jandrick for the other. Willits on there, Colin Sawyer on there. No, they're pretty similar. And then obviously McKay, and it looks like, oh, wow. So Dryden McKay got seven of a possible ten votes for goaltender preseason goaltender on the team whereas he got all 10 in the media that's kind of interesting that 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 uh, that was split. it's really surprising it's really surprising that there were people that were not voting for him yeah. but i mean really it's pretty even uh, not that surprising uh, i i think it's pretty straightforward have you guys had to guess where do you think tech finishes this year I'd like to see home playoffs, obviously, depending on how the playoff format's going to be. I don't know if we know playoff formats for sure yet either, but I would think, I would guess fourth is what I would say to start with here. I'm going to, I would say it's very close between third and fourth, and I'm going to say third with it coming down to like the last weekend of the year. 
Yeah, I I tend to agree with both of you that that's that's the range that you, you they should be finishing three four. I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to be better than that, but I I think preseason wise you're looking at. I think fourth place is the place that they should have finished in this poll. I don't really have a problem with that in the one. No, I think that's a fair spot for sure. I mean, I think Bowling Green and and uh, Bowling Green and Mankato will be up top for sure. With I mean, hopefully Minnesota State doesn't run away like they have the last few years, but it'd be nice to see some competition for them up top. But uh, yeah. I think those two are one two for sure. I hope I mean hopefully Mankato is just as good as they've been the last few years and there's actually a couple teams in the league that can pressure them, you know. Sure, yeah, that's a better way to look at it, I suppose. Yeah, I hope I hope the the floor is rising is what you're saying, right? Like I hope the middle of the yeah, pack exactly. is catching up to Mankato while they're still staying there. Yep, exactly. Yep. Cuz I don't want Mankato to, you know, to fall back. We want that team that is competing to be number 1 in the country to be in the conference. Yep. We just need the rest of the conference to get up to their level. Yep, I agree with that. So I guess kind of pivoting to the next topic, uh, I had written down the NCAA tournament and how they're going to select. I guess that was kind of my biggest takeaway from the Joe show this week was him discussing what discussion he's heard about how they're going to select for the tournament and the different options that have kind of come out of it. And it sounds like one of them that Joe kind of was championing was something that Dustin was, in some respects, leaning towards when we talked last, right? Maybe not, yeah, not quite definitely. as, not quite as as much as you were saying, but like, well, I think I think what they are proposing and what they're discussing, what what Joe had talked about, which was the two teams per conference with four at large. Yep. So. Two teams per conference is 12 teams, four at large to fill out the 16-team yep. field. Uh, that's what Joe mentioned, and I took it one step further in, in my proposal, and that was to take out some of the potential variation or bias in matchups at the end of the year, since we don't have any way to judge leagues against each other when there's not going to be interconference there's a limited amount of interconference there's not a lot there's not enough though quite a few of those were rit and we'll get to that later well yeah, there's not enough <laughs> i know bowling green plays robert morris and mercyhurst and quinnipiac so there mm-hmm. there's some crossover yeah. enough to make pairwise work but it's not ideal it's gonna look weird pairwise barely worked with the limited amount of non-conference games we had in a normal year true so uh, my my proposal to kind of offset that was to have a predetermined bracket at the beginning of the year that said you know team one from conference a go plays team two against conference d and have that already mapped out ahead of time so all of the number one seeds from each conference are essentially in a pool and it's a random draw. So the number one seeds, which is six of them, are randomly going to be matched up against the bottom six. The second six are going to be randomly 
You know, you know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or I guess it's not six; it's four because we're talking sixteen team leagues, sixteen tournament. But it, it, it's it's not. There's no bias in it. it. It's predetermined depending on what place you finish in which league, which team you're going to be matched up against in the playoffs. So basically, like whoever wins the NCHC plays the second best team from the WCHA. Whoever wins the Big Ten plays the second best team from the Atlantic Hockey or whatever. And you kind of just yep. you try and you try and build in your predetermined bias of probably quality of leagues right that like the whoever wins the wcha is probably playing like the second best team in the nacho league or whatever and yeah you can you can do that you can basically kind of build in your bias bias of like these are the better conferences so the winner should get the the worse of the lower league like if atlantic's getting two teams one of those two should probably play the winner of Hockey East, and the other one should probably play the winner of the NCHC because those are the two leagues that are traditionally the best, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that, yeah, and it that, gets a little more difficult to that when you have four teams that are considered wild card teams. And do you consider Atlantic Hockey number two, the 16 seed, ahead of the wild card teams? I, I don't know how you necessarily do that, but yeah, it's always possible that whoever wins Atlantic Hockey or finishes second in a weird year like this could be very good but at the same time historically like that's probably the way you're going to build it too i would assume you'd basically try and have those four at large play like four of the second place teams in the better leagues but and i get what you're saying i guess the one other thing that joe kind of recommended was something more like what the nhl did this year where more teams got in and kind of played a little like round robin to determine seeding and who actually would make it, and I think that's not a bad idea. I don't, I don't see it happening because that creates more time, and we already have enough of a crunch this season um, to get everything in. I think, I think that's problematic though if you're not actually going into an actual bubble. So the NHL, it worked because they were isolated. They were quarantined ahead of time before going into the bubble. They were quarantined in the bubble. They could they could do that kind of thing. But if if teams are going and if they're adding more games and teams are going somewhere and playing an additional round and then going back to campus and then going to another location, that is just an added risk, in my opinion. I get that. All I was thinking was what you could do is you basically take four teams, send them somewhere, and they play three games in three days, rotating that four-team group. Um, And you could do that with 30-some teams and kind of like a World Cup tournament where the top two are guaranteed to get through and then your your three or four best third-place teams would fill out that field. So you could do like a 24-team tournament, and that might be what helps ease the concerns of it of like the NCHC, where you could just say like, if you took 24 teams and you took what, the top four teams in each league? Is that, is that right? Is that the right math? Six conferences? Yeah. If you're doing 24, it's top four teams in each league. Yeah, so you could take 24 teams, the top four in each league, and you could basically say, like... Scrap conference tournaments? Arizona State falls into the the Big Ten 
allotment, LIU falls into the Atlantic Hockey allotment, and you just do it, and whoever, like, the top four teams make it, you take, uh, you've got six conferences, four teams, so, like, one team from, uh, like, you take four teams, you just randomly select them, put them in groups, top two in each group make the NCAA tournament, a couple of the third place teams make the NCAA tournament, then you got a chance for like whatever happens happens. And I like I like this proposal for like permanent. Let's do this every year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think NCA wants anything to do with it, but I th- you know the the other thing I think I honestly think those would be pretty well attended cuz you you're guaranteed to see your team play three times. And you could do it regional. You could. I still don't think the format's changing. No, it's not changing. <laughs> I think they should they should do that and then have just one of the regions being the the UP in northern Minnesota. So it'd be like you know Tech, Lake State, Northern Bemidji, and and Duluth, and that'd be one one group. You know, pretty sweet. Yeah, we've got a pretty good chance of making it most years. <laughs> Yeah, and I definitely think, I I assume you guys are on the same page with me that I think Joe's right that it should be kind of what you proposed last week, Dustin, where it's top two or basically the the regular season and the tournament champion, and if it's the same, the conference can kind of decide which second place team is the one that gets the bid. Uh, because in this kind of weird season, like, I don't think there's anything else that's fair. I don't really care that the Nacho League is traditionally done really well. Like, we can't compare them this year. So how, how can it be fair to say that they should get more teams because they've traditionally done better? Like, it's just not, there's no guarantee that, that that tradition will carry on in this weird season. There just isn't. Uh, Joe is 100% right on that. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, maybe there's coaches that have bonuses built in, but at the same time, like, I don't think anybody's getting fired because they did bad this year to the point of, like, not making it in this weird situation where Pairwise isn't going to play a role. Um, I don't know. Well, except for maybe, like, Matt Curley. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's different. That's not that's not what we're talking about. Was that a, sorry, that might have been a low blow. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, can you really get fired if you just don't have a team anymore? I mean, maybe it's technically laid off then? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see. So I guess kind of the next thing we can talk about, I haven't looked into this much yet, but I saw that... Was it USCHO reported that Arizona State has made some movement on getting a new arena? I think that's where I saw it, yeah. A tweet from them. Yeah. And I haven't really looked Which is good news. It is good news because they should not be playing in that dump that they have right now. That's for sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it got approved by their Board of Regents. Okay. $115 $115 million arena, 5,000-seater. And it'll, nice. 
It'll also host gymnastics, wrestling, and volleyball. Cool. Final approval could come, like, in a little over a week. Yeah, on the 18th is final approval from the Board of Regents to be completed in December of 2022. So, two years out, but yeah. Naming rights have been sold for $16 million, but it has not been announced who purchased them. Huh. I'm going to guess it's the a local Indian tribe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how nice that place ends up being and if it actually ends up getting done that quickly. But it's good news for them. That should help full, certainly well, help propel them towards a league if that's what they want. But I kind of, you kind of get the sense that they kind of like getting to pick and choose their schedule. And they, they don't have a problem filling it because nobody has a problem going to Arizona in the winter. They have to taken play. the Notre Dame model and ran with it the last few years, and it hasn't stopped them from postseason play now that they've nope. been decent and are scheduling decent teams. So until there's more Western hockey out there, I don't know whether it even makes sense for them to jump into a league at this point. I mean, they've proven they can be independent and be successful with it, so why not stick with it? Yeah, the only way I see them joining a league is if they did something uh, like maybe getting that arena gets them into the NCHC if they feel the need. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Once they get that arena and they have a new state-of-the-art arena, the NCHC is going to want them. You know, it all depends because I don't know. Like, I guess they might be one of the few schools that could add enough subscriptions to like the nchc tv but beyond that like do you really think like miami and western want another flight even if it is arizona all the time doesn't it get them on the the, doesn't there a pac-12 tv that has viewership all over the west coast i mean i imagine there's some possibility of getting games on there it's true and i do think some of the games have been on there in the past but at the same time i don't know that's valuable exposure for a hockey market that is you know, booming. Yeah, I guess. California hockey is, is up and coming, and there's more and more players that are coming through youth programs in California. Getting exposure there for those NCHC teams is, is pretty valuable. I guess so. We'll see. And, it, and maybe they'll just stay independent and hope to get – hope to show that their success can turn into, like – you know, teams at Oregon or Oregon State and Washington, Washington State wanting to get involved just because they see it. I mean, you've already got your Western Hockey League establishment, and then you've got Seattle coming in that maybe you're going to get some more growth in the Pac-12 footprint somewhere. But it's hard to say where that happens and how soon. But I don't see them rushing into anything. Part of it is that I just don't think the NCHC is really that interested in expanding because that means they're sharing that pot with more people. And unless you're making that pot big enough to make up for it, I don't see it happening at all. I think they're really happy with the size of their league. If I'm the Mm -hmm. NCHC, I see no real reason to expand at all. They have done extremely well since they started. What's the good reason for them to add people? Yeah, more money. Especially that far out, I mean, of their market. If if, if, NC, if the NCHC sees that Arizona State could make them more money, they'll add them. Agree. Right, and I and I don't know where 
You know, they talk about how Pfizer's vaccine looks like it's going to be good. And I don't really want to get too far in the weeds with any politics, so I'll stay away from that part of it. But at the same time, the sooner that vaccine comes, the sooner we get enough doses. But I still don't see any of that happening by March-April time frame that there's enough that we get college athletes vaccinated that they can play. Uh, although I have heard some of the podcasts I listen to about this where they talk about how it might not be the most effective to vaccinate the elderly and those at risk. It might actually be the most effective to vaccinate the 20-somethings that are the most likely to be healthy and transmit it to to cut down on transmission because the, the people who are having issues already are more likely to be able to stay at a distance, whereas, like, your college kids are on campus. There are certain things that are just kind of... It's difficult because you're talking about what? How many how many kids lived in in your house in college? I had like five roommates. Yeah, I had uh, I had a bunch as well. And you're doing all the classes, all the other stuff. It makes some sense that maybe that's where you direct your effort from after you've directed it towards your your medical people. But I still struggle to see how we have doses enough to pull that off before college hockey should be done. And all indications are from everything I've heard that ESPN has zero interest in moving the timing of the tournament. So that kind of hampers everything for when it can actually end. Well, and as much as we talk about and want to talk about hockey and sports and such, it should in no way be what the the distribution of the vaccine is based upon no, no. anyway and i'm not and i'm not saying college athletes should be prioritized right. no, but it I might know. make sense that the college community is prioritized because of their their transmission abilities and the fact that they're more likely to be the kind of people that are asymptomatic and transmitting versus uh older people myself included Anything else on coronavirus? I guess Joe kind of talked about that on the show. That was probably one of the other topics that was interesting with him talking about how aggressive Michigan Tech has been on that side of it, how happy he is that apparently Michigan Tech has its own testing capabilities. Yep, yeah. Like the, the, the lab there is actually running uh, samples for yep. results so they don't have the, to ship them off. They're running samples is, not just for the university but for the community as well. It's a, yeah. It's one of those things that goes to show you that yeah, exactly. It's one of those things that goes to show you that, you know, tech's not just there, not just there for the students, right? It's there for the community as well. What did you guys take away from Joe talking about testing and all that stuff? I think, Anything? I think the big thing is like that it's, it's an advantage for the community for it to be there. You know, they're able to do that they're able to do those tests on campus you don't have to send it out to somewhere to get it done so that right there takes a huge chunk of the delays though just in the transport of the samples so true you know it's 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 huge to have it there have it in the UP and there's a lot of rural areas that are getting hit by stuff that don't have that advantage so you know for the for the university to have it there it's just fantastic agreed I thought the the interesting thing in Joe's discussion was his his struggle to understand the the efficacy of the testing and and how often they have false positives and false negatives um and i think 
it's my understanding that a good PCR test is tuned to be have extremely few false negatives and have some false positives, which I think is the way you want to do it pending the fact that um that the rules aren't as punitive as like the Big Ten itself is, where like you get a positive PCR test and you're out for twenty one days no matter what. Yeah, I think it needs to be more like what we've seen with some of the professional leagues, which maybe isn't feasible at college level, but you get a negative test and they give you two more tests and you got to pass two in a row. Yeah. Right, or you got to be negative two in a row. Yeah, I think that makes more sense. And I think that basically, I think you could basically say you're out 14 days or two until you have two negative tests in a row. And that's a fair way to do it if the school wants to invest or has the ability. And it just leaves it up to the school that if they can pull off proving that the kid really doesn't have it, that's fine. Um, I think that's the way to go. And I think Joe was also talking about the, I assume the other, what's the other test now? I can't even think of it. But that I assume that's the saliva one that's less accurate, but you do it more often. And hopefully it's it's more about... You've got 25 guys on the team or whatever. Everybody does it. If somebody gets it, one of those 25 is likely... Like, if there's a cluster of guys on the team, one of them will probably turn up positive soon enough to protect at least part of the team. Yeah, so he even mentioned stuff along the lines of rooming. I don't know if that's where you're just about to go, right? He doesn't want the goalies in the same room together in case the goalies get sick, right? You don't want them rooming together. Yeah. You saw with the Packers on Thursday Night Football, A.J. Dillon ended up having it. And his one of his roommates is Jamal Williams. Well, maybe going forward, you really don't want players in the same position to necessarily be roommates because you can't afford all of them to get it and be in close contact and lose them all. Yeah, like that's a that's an important thing. I did kind of forget which one I was where I was going with that. Oh, the so the so basically he was talking about how there's two kinds of tests: the PCR, which is the the nasal swab to like the back of your freaking skull. And uh, I can't think what's the other one called, but that's, I think the other one they're talking about is the one that was developed by the NBA and Yale, right? The the saliva one. But I can't remember the name they have for that one. And that one's less accurate. But overall, if you like, especially on like a football team, if everybody's doing that test every day, you should be able to find it if a couple guys have it. And then you do the more intrusive pcr test to kind of confirm how far it's spread and i think that's a good like having a balance between those two is probably a good thing if you can do like one or two saliva tests a week and then or like two or three saliva tests a week and then mix in a pcr test like a day or two before games to really confirm that nobody's got it i think that's probably a good approach but it's hard to say how much other teams can really afford that, whereas Tech, like we said, has kind of a built-in advantage with it on campus. Granted, I don't really know how big the capacity is that you can invest a ton of that capacity into dealing with something like hockey, but I think hockey is a pretty important part of the community, so it it makes some sense to, to do that. It'll just be interesting to see how it plays out and how much... (laughs) 
COVID itself and 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 outbreaks on teams in the league impact things because it's not like there's a whole lot of time in that schedule to deal with that. And as far as I can tell, things are only going to get worse from a community standpoint as we get clo- further and further into winter. Yep. Yeah, it's not going to get better with people being indoors. There's no way. <laughs> it's just it's it's going to continue to to be a problem. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we get to kind of like the 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 big story of the day today? Wait, there's a big story today? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nothing? Nothing else? Nothing else. All right. So kind of the big story today on uh, Tuesday here is that Michigan Tech finally announced their 100th season jerseys. Um, I saw a mock-up of these. I feel like it was, when was it? Probably the last time I was in Houghton. When the heck was that even last? Did I go last year? I forget now. Um but I did get a chance to see them a while ago. I knew they were going to be good. I, I, I didn't really think they'd turn out as good as they did. I know, Dustin, you're a little critical of the uh, the Michigan College of Mines logo because it it's doesn't quite hold true to the photo. I know it's a a very clean version of probably yeah. what it really looks it's, like. Like the It's too perfect. Yeah, you're it's right. The MCM is too perfect, especially when you pair it with the Husky Bear whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, like those two things don't really, like I think your version of the logo that, which if anybody wants to see, if you go to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash tech hockey guide, you can see the MCM that Dustin mocked up. I made it the logo. I Is it, I think it's up there, isn't it? Or can we not see that level? Oh, on I there? still have the page open. Cause I think there's a silver level with that logo on it. Or did I? Mm, I don't see okay. it. Maybe it's there, but I never made it a public level. Um, I'll probably do that tonight, so you guys can see. Not that anybody's gonna want to sign up at the level I'll set it at, but if you're feeling generous, go right ahead. Uh, I don't know. I really don't think, other than Dustin's criticism of the MCM being too perfect and clean compared to what it would have looked like in the 1920s or at whatever point we thought the team wore that. I don't think this jersey really could have turned out much better unless you get into the minutia of the things that Ryan Johnson would have liked to seen, and maybe he's the guy we should have had on to join <laughs> us this week with the jerseys coming out. Uh, if Ryan approved 100% of it, I would be nervous. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not surprised that especially in the middle of a pandemic at a school like Michigan Tech, that they didn't go all out on the bells and whistles of the the felt lining and all that kind of stuff that that Ryan was hoping to see some of. But at the other extreme, Ryan was a little nervous that they were going to end up being more like the game one-off jerseys that we've seen yeah, in the last the, three, four years. Like the pause and I knew that or... wasn't happening because the, the jersey itself, it, the style that they've been getting is not that expensive of a default style since we've kind of since ccm has gotten away from the the reebok wing of jersey styles like the the i forget what the 
term is now for the Reebok jerseys that we used to have, but like the Reebok edge, that's what it was. Like now that we've gotten away from that and gone back to the more traditional CCM boxy jersey, the price point is not that bad that like he was concerned that with it being a one season thing and possibly getting these auctioned off at the end of the year that they would cut corners and go for the cheap silk screen jerseys and I knew that wasn't happening but there's always a chance that maybe something would change because of coronavirus but these decisions had to be made six months to a year ago not you can't just make them now and get new jerseys but yeah I thought everything I don't think it could have turned out better from the stripes on the sleeves to the 100th year or season patch on the neck, on the back. The shoulder patches look great. I thought the Husky Bear turned out pretty well, considering. I think it's kind of a cool logo from when you when you accept what it's supposed to be. I think it's a really cool logo, and it's well done. Uh, I don't think it could have really turned out much better for the for the investment that the team made into this. What do you guys think? No, I would agree with you on that. That logo on the front, you know, it does look comical if you don't look at it in the context of what it's trying to replicate. And as a throwback jersey, it it's really true to that original uniform and and that motto or that logo on the front as well as the uh as well as the font going over the top look like what they should. So, I'm I'm more than happy with it. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks good. It, it, I really don't have any major complaints about it. The, the MCM thing is more about I made my own logo of it, and I think mine's better. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think the one thing that'll be interesting to see is how distracting it actually is with the gold on the gloves and the embroidery on the on the breezers and the any gold that appears on the helmet i think it'll be minimal but at the same time i kind of want to see it in action before i really have a comment on that thankfully you know the team has uh, black pants and not you know they're not trying to wear gold pants with this jersey or something but i think all in all it's a great set and i don't think they could have done a whole lot better really is there any gold on the cream jerseys no i don't believe so the cream jerseys have a gold stripe do they? You mean, like, oh, you yeah, mean yeah, they do. That's the, right. The yeah. actual cream jerseys or these jerseys? The cream jerseys. Yeah, the regular yeah, cream jerseys have a gold stripe on the sleeve. Okay. Compared to these, which have none. All right. So, yeah. One other thing to kind of go off of this, I know most of you already know this since it seems to be all over what, Rob, you said Reddit now even? Yep. It's all over Twitter. We even got a retweet from Jersey Snob Biddy. Or Bidco, I guess, on Twitter. One of the things that kind of keeps Tech Hockey Guide going, besides the Patreon that a lot of you guys have signed up for, you can still sign up for that if you haven't. Check us out at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. But the biggest thing that has helped keep our doors open and the website going is the authentic jersey orders, which we've now done. I think this will be my... The, the one that we do now will be the fourth time that I've ordered jerseys where the where any extra proceeds support Tech Hockey Guide. Basically, we get a number from from the manufacturer and the embroidery people, 
We basically let the team, we give the team our order. They order directly for us. It gets shipped to me. I ship it out to you. We put in a little bit of extra cost to make sure we don't lose money. And then all that money that we get, which amounts to a couple bucks per jersey, kind of gets split between Tech Hockey Guide's operating costs and a big check to Mitch's Misfits, which helps them do road trips. I think last year or the year before, we had given them like $1,000, which probably is one of the biggest reasons that they were able to do something like travel to Huntsville. Uh, basically, it really helps them make road trips because it takes it defrays a lot of that cost away from the students going themselves and keeps it to a minimum cost so that they can all go. Um, it's one of the best things we do, and it and it's great to just get out there and and see how many people love these jerseys and are wearing them at events. Just to put it out there, we already have, like, basically those jerseys got announced at what? What time was that even today? One o'clock central time, it looks like it came out. And from that time, I think at about two, three o'clock is when I finally got our web form updated with that information. Last time I checked, which was right before we started recording, we were at... 88 people wanting this 100 season jersey so we will definitely be ordering that jersey hopefully in the next 48 hours i will pin down a price on that and then it also looks like we will probably be ordering black jerseys cream jerseys and potentially gold and white jerseys depending on how much we get. We basically need to get a minimum of 25 people to order any one style. We've already got 28 for black, 24 for cream, so I'm not really afraid to like buy one of those extra to fill that order because uh, it is the cheapest one and probably the easiest one to find somebody later that wants one. And then we got 22 for the whites, 21 for the golds. So I guess this episode kind of feels like a bit of an infomercial, but I know you guys love these jerseys. I just want to make it clear that we will be ordering them this year. So please go to jerseys.techhockeyguide.com, sign up, tell us you're interested so we can get that rolling. I'm a little preoccupied with other things here, but we're probably, in the next week or two, I'm probably going to find time depending on how this interest goes, to set some kind of deadline that says you need to sign up by this point and then I'm going to start collecting money so that we can order in spring and have them by next fall. That's how it usually goes. And Rob, maybe that's what you should um, put on your on the Reddit feed is kind of the timing of how this works. Yeah, if there's more questions, I'll fill it in there. Yeah, so um, that's that probably the thing biggest that, thing that people want to know is like yeah, is the time. So you're put it. you're signing up now to tell me that you want to get one. Once I have the time, I will send out emails to everybody that said they were interested, confirm their interest, to make sure that I'm going to hit minimums. Which with the hundredth season jersey, I'm not going to have a problem. I've already I'm already at eighty eight. Even if I lose thirty eight people, I'm still over. The, the way over the minimum and all i'm going to do is confirm interest start collecting money 
give people a month or two to pay because I usually put the order in in early spring and it takes till yeah sometimes we've taken as long as like the following Christmas to get jerseys but hopefully it won't take that long I guess I've shipped them in January actually it it all kind of depends on how quickly we can get our order in so that we can beat deadlines for different teams like basically we are not an actual team so if the embroidery shop needs to make jerseys for actual hockey teams they get priority over us which i get i don't have a problem with we kind of fill their slow times it's fine by me but it just you guys need to be aware that you're probably going to pay me almost a year before you actually get the jersey because i can't float I think the last time we ordered it was $14,000. I can't float that on my own. So, um, but I look forward to ordering it again, ordering jerseys again. We should be ordering three to five different colors, depending on how much interest we have. And depending on how many people we have, I don't want any of you guys to be afraid that you'd need to uh i don't know if i want to put this in the podcast i'll have to see about this but don't be afraid to sign up if you can't pay me a hundred percent of it right now because you've got three four months here to get me the money and as long as i have like 90 percent of it from all of you guys by the time i order i'm fine floating a few people last time we ordered i had a guy sign up early on he lost his job right before we ordered. I ordered his jersey anyway, and by the time the jerseys came, he was able to pay me. I'm not going to give you your jersey before you pay me, but I can easily strip a nameplate off and sell it to somebody else when this is all said and done. So, like, I'm not afraid to do that kind of stuff as long as it's not everybody doing that. So just don't be afraid to put your name in the hat if you really want the jersey and you can't come up with it right now. Yeah, I feel like this is an infomercial, but they're, they're <laughs> well, beautiful I jerseys. Think... I know everybody likes them, and I'm just going to keep pointing people to this segment if if they have questions, because I think it's a good good to get this out there once. I'm not going to repeat it a lot. I don't think a lot of people understand the process you go through with this jersey order. Yeah, it's and it's not, a lot of work. <laughs> it's it's not a typical. I you order it from the site, and there's a stock of these sitting out there that you can pull from. No, you know, it's, it's a custom order that goes to the actual manufacturer that the team is using. These are the exact same jerseys the team is using. And uh, yeah, it definitely feels like an infomercial. Not to bring that. I feel (laughs) well. Welcome to the uh, fall subscription drive here on THG. (laughs) It's like I've just witnessed like the reincarnation of Billy (laughs) Mays. You won't believe how good these jerseys look. (laughs) Sham wow! (laughs) Yeah, maybe we should get. uh, Maybe we should take Tech Hockey Guide to the Shark Tank and see if we can get it on. uh, on uh, get what's her name to pick us up so we can be on uh, QVC, right? That that's the biggest thing I like about the way we do the jersey order, though. It's the actual jersey, and if you yeah. want to get you know the the replica style from the bookstore, by all means, go get the replica style from the bookstore. And it's going to be cheaper. It's going to look good, but it's yep. not the same. And that's why people come to us is because we are the ones that can get you the authentic jersey. the The bookstore creates a really good product. I 
I have considered getting it at times when I don't want to wait the year to get a jersey, but at the same time, it, like it's really nice to have some of these in your closet because it is what the players wear. You know, I've got at least a few parents that have come to me because this is how they can get a jersey that looks like what their son wears. One of the things that we cannot do if you're worried or if you're thinking about this is we cannot order a jersey with the name and number combo of any current player that isn't done before you get the jersey. I am going to have to talk to the university specifically about what that means for this year's seniors because they technically get another year, but I don't know how many of them are actually coming back and using that year. So I need to get clarification from the school yet as to who you are allowed to order. I'm going to guess they're going to tell me no players on the current team. That basically wraps up that stuff. So one more time, it's jerseys.techhockeyguide.com. Just let us know if you're interested. We've already got a ton of interest. I will do anything I can to help you guys get in on this if you want to be in on it and, and think you can pull it off in the next four months, I guess. Um, is there anything else you guys want to touch, talk about? Okay. Since this is kind of our preseason podcast, let's do one more thing. Who's the leading scorer for Michigan Tech? We're going now? Let's go. Bretzman. Oh, Piedela. Well, I guess that means I got to take Bliss then, right? <laughs> <laughs> or Bantle. Oh, man, I hope he takes off. <laughs> I, I'm excited to see him play uh, over the internet on Boo. Who's the highest point getter on the blue line? Rob, I'll let you go first. On the blue line? I would love to see Datum. I just start <laughs> slapping stuff in. That's <laughs> probably not true, but... Um, That'd be nice to no, see, that's for sure. I think Swire there. Dustin? Well, if he's not going to say Datama, I'll, I'll take Datama. <laughs> I don't blame you. I just look forward to those terrifying slap shots. They, they're fantastic. When he when he started connecting on those on the power play at the end of the year last year, it was beautiful. So I will go with... So you got Sawyer and Datama. I will go with Goat. I think that's fair. Okay. So who has the most... Minutes played at goaltender. You go first, Tim. You haven't gone first yet. <laughs> one of us is going to... A Pietola. If, if, if we're all taking different ones, then this one's a big advantage to go first, I think. <laughs> I'm going to take Pietola. I mean, if we're going different, I'm going to go with Bailey then. And leave Dustin with uh, the not-so-obvious choice. Okay, I'll take. I I mean, I'm taking Sinclair. I mean, unless I want to go for that rare defenseman that plays goalie. <laughs> the sad part is, is I wouldn't be surprised if Dustin ends up being right. Yeah, I I, I don't know what to expect from Sinclair to be honest. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know he's he's definitely seen time at, at, at UAH and seen a lot of shots at UAH. So 
you know, there's, there's, it's not to say that he can't, he can't fight for, uh, fight for a spot there either. So I think we're in for another, another good year of, of goalie drama, <laughs> which isn't always a bad thing. So who has the most points among the freshmen? I'm going to go first on this one. Cause I think this one might be a little bit of an easier one. Hopefully, uh, I'm going to say Bantle. Oh, can I go for a second? <laughs> yeah, you can take the Swede. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take Brett Thorne, I guess. I like Ketera. No, I'm I'm really excited about the freshman class this year. I'm. It's been a class that's been we've been waiting for, you know to see for a while. So yeah, actually getting to watch games is going to be great. Definitely, those two have the big advantage. I think Dustin's going to be right. I think Bantle's going to have more goals. I think Ketera's going to have more points. I'm fine with being wrong. Kadarov is a playmaker, man. Yeah. I'm, I am I'm completely, I am completely fine with being wrong if it means more goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's going to be a fun year. I think we've kind of talked about this, maybe not on the podcast. Maybe that's been more in the chats. This is kind. It's sad that COVID is impacting this because it is kind of a put-up-or-shut-up year for Joe. He kind of needs to get off to a good start and not, not just be building late. He needs to start at a better spot this year and build through. And, you know, I expect that top four finish. I think this team could be competing for the league. I don't think they'll pull that off, but they should be there. And I think that top four is going to be tight. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see what actually happens. I think it was kind of good that we threw in this little uh, season review. I have a... I have another one. Over under. Okay. Six penalty minutes per game for Mankato's Odi <laughs> Oglethorpe. The the problem is is their depth. How much is he actually gonna? See, how much ice time is he gonna see? Ooh, I, yeah. I mean, that's tough. Maybe maybe six is too high. Though. Yeah, I think you're too high there. I was. I mean, I was kind of assuming that he'd play every game. He might not play every. He game. He could play every game, but I he's gonna be like fourth line minute. Yeah. And if he gets into trouble and it hurts the team, I'm guessing he's not going to play as much. He's not going to, I don't know if he's going to get the chance to play the rest of the game after he's gotten four penalty minutes. <laughs> after he cold cocks somebody from <laughs> Fairbanks. Yeah. That'll give us something to watch. <laughs> I know as soon as, as hockey starts up on the weekends, I've got myself set. I will be watching as much flow hockey as possible after having little to no sports withdrawal since March. So I'm very excited. Rob, who did you take for most points on the team? For most points? Yeah. Did we do a most points or did we do... We did... Yeah, most points. We did most points. I, Dustin... I took Bretzman. Oh, Dustin Piedela. took Bretzman. Piedela. You took Logan Piedela? Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe his brother will take off and score. have a bunch of points, but no, I was definitely not going with Jed on this one. Okay. Well, I, I would have thought you would take Helen in. Wait, I thought Jed was a cousin. Is it? A, I don't know. Cousin. Yeah, I think Blake it's cousin. is a Blake is the brother, and he's a goalie, so I not yeah. that's not a good pick for points. Yeah. <laughs> no, it'll be interesting to see who the the most points that. None of us picked that we could all be wrong on. Hallinan is um Hallinan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I went that I didn't look at the roster when I went with that first one, so that was off top of the head. So yeah, 
The rest of the questions, I, was, I had a roster on top. He just went with the name that he could remember. <laughs> yeah. There's a Helen, or there's there's a Pietola, right? I'll take him. I'll just mumble in and I'll get one of them, right? <laughs> and then we wait seven minutes, and he's like, I was talking about the good one, not the goalie or the freshman defenseman. I mean, is there any other predictions you want to make or th- over-unders we should do? Oh, predictions. Should we, should we do... I mean, we already talked about finishing the league, so... Okay, I got I got two here. I got to look it up quick. All right, so last year, Michigan Tech scored 2.59 goals per game. Over-under, better or worse? Over. Yeah, I think it'll be better. Yeah, the offense. The offense almost has to be better this yep, year. I would agree. I agree. Better offense. It would be an extreme disappointment if it wasn't. They yep. should be pushing three goals per game. Yeah, I think that's a safe, a safe and a wishful statement at the same so time. So is that what I should say? Over under three goals per game. That's all. Said that. Well, if you said it there, I'm still. Uh, I'm gonna take the under. <laughs> <laughs> This three is a really good number. Yeah, it's going to be a very. I th- I think it will be very close to three. I'll I'll say over just to be different from Rob, but I don't think it's going to be very much over. Okay. And then the defense allowed two point two two goals per game over under. Two point two goals a game is a pretty good number already. Um, over. I'll take an under on that. I'm going to take the under. <clears throat> and I will take the over and the under <laughs> on the previous one. <laughs> I think we score more but give up more this year. Okay. Oh, actually, it says we were 2 point. Oh, that must have been in conference I was looking at. So we were 2.67 last year total in goals scored. Three per game would put us 20th in the country overall. Bemidji was 3.2. Northern was 3.1. Bowling Green was 3.1. Minnesota State was 4. And scoring defense, we were 2.28. Yeah, I think I'm going to take us being better on both ends. All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Patrons at the white level or above get access to a monthly Zoom chat featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, and more to come. Uh, patrons at the black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Follow us on Twitter at ChasingMacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. As you mentioned in the podcast, THE is working on a, another authentic MTU jersey order with the addition of the new 100th season jersey. If you're interested in buying an authentic jersey, check out jerseys.techhockeyguide.com. You can submit questions through our email address, uh, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach, so tell your friends. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers on this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. Beautiful brown hair girl on a bus stop